Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Coach Teddy. Just found out he's a long-time listener to the podcast. I'm very grateful for that. We're going to get into his company. We're going to get into the work that he's doing, how he became an educator, and more into sort of that information that when you are an educator and you're thinking about taking that step, what are some of the things you need to know? So for those who will be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify. Will you please introduce yourself, Coach Teddy? Thank you, Dr. Wheel, for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to uh, be your guest today to share some of the work that I've been doing. And also, um, as I said at the beginning, I, I want to thank you for the wonderful work you are doing. And I am a fan. I've been listening to the show for over a year, close to two years now. And uh, like I told you at the beginning, I learned, uh, I got several insights from the show that I am currently using in my work. And again, thank you. I think you are doing a fantastic job. I'm very happy to be uh, your guest. And for those who do not know me, um, I am Coach Teddy Edward. And I am an educator, a speaker, a, a lifelong learner. So I am constantly learning. And my work focus on developing system. That's what I help companies and professionals do. Um, I help develop systems that promote or that lead to lasting growth, improvement, and success. That's all I do. And I work mainly with individual companies, especially in education. And I also work with um, a lot of professionals from different fields, different walk of life. So, as you know, and, I'm, Yeah, and if I may, may add, I am also the co-founder of Coaching for Better Learning, an LLC that is located in Baltimore uh, City, Maryland. Mm. So your, your Twitter bio, what does that ISD stand for? You know, it's just instructional design. Okay. Yeah. I think I have a lot in common with you. You, 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 you are in instructional design. I kind of do the same. I mainly, uh, I do both education and, 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 and corporate. So, um, I don't work for a school district, but I used to be a, an instructional coach for a company's, uh, a company that owns charter school in the district of Columbia. Wow. Wow. So, I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. So what drew you to education, to that whole field of instructional design? Um, 
First, uh, let me say that my grandfather was a teacher. He taught me to, he taught me how to read and write before I studied kindergarten. So he was my inspiration. So I transitioned into teaching naturally. I did my undergraduate in teaching and I enjoyed it. I fell in love early on with the science of teaching and learning. And then I went on to have a master's in teaching. And after, and seven years later, I completed a, a master's science in learning design and technology from Purdue University. So I enjoy working in education because it empowers people. And when I look at what education has done for me as a minority you know, professional, and I think education is that key. If I can use what I know, my experience, my expertise, to help people access knowledge more, develop their expertise more, I think for me, this is rewarding. This is where I want to go. So after I have taught for several years and then I transitioned into instructional coaching where I support the work of teachers. I develop teachers and helping them develop their facilitation skill, lesson planning, all of that. And the more I do that, the more I got to understand how system works. So I develop system to help people um, reinforce their interventions and establish themselves in the market. And then from there on, you know, I would say I, I keep doing it. The more I do it, the more I enjoy doing it. And then I um, founded, um, uh, it's, uh, uh, let's say six years ago, I founded um, Coaching for Better Learning for that specific reason. So when I founded this company with this, uh, it was, uh, a way to establish a system that will help other people create system for their personal development, for their personal advancement. So tell us what is the, the, the story behind you creating the company? It's not every day that someone, you know, has a full-time job and, and doing work uh, and then they decide, I want to create a company. Uh, when did that idea come to mind? This is a very interesting question. It, it was um, in, in 2000, I would say 2014, 2015, I was a student at Purdue University studying learning design technology. And I got to read the work of, uh, for example, Peter Drucker, the, fathers of, the father of management, and I explored um, the work that uh, Edward Deming did in Japan to help create the, the Toyota, the company we know today. And then with those insights, I started doing things differently in instructional coaching. So I went on to work for a company in DC and help them establish a coaching system that would take 
you know, the school from a tier three to a tier two and then a tier one. So by doing that, I, I got clarity. So I, I, I clarify a lot of doubt. Um, I got to understand how the pieces, when you put them together, effectively what you can do with them. Then, as you know, uh, Dr. Will, um, when you have a job, uh, you always have to deal with limitations. You have things you want to do, but they might not be where your company wants to go. And again, my understanding of system allowed me to understand there was a major difference, a major gap between the work I do mm -hmm. and the job I had. That's one of the thing, thing uh, one of the things I teach in my coaching work. There's a difference between work and job. And my job, you know, I did it for a company. And I had a contract. I had to just use, uh, follow their agenda. But when it comes to my personal work, the kind of problem I wanted to solve, I knew I couldn't solve it on the job. I couldn't solve it only with working for someone else. Then I decided, okay, if there are problems I see, there are solutions I can bring into the marketplace, uh, then it's up to me to decide how I want. I'm going to go about it. So the decision came and I decided to create Coaching for Better Learning, which is uh, uh, both that company that support people's work in, 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 in any area in general. And also we produce a lot of products in, for the adult education sector. So we, we sell and distribute textbooks to prepare adult students for standardized testing. So that's the story behind it. I, create, uh, I created the company just so I could really continue doing my best work, even when I had a job. So what were your steps in going from educator to entrepreneur, right? So I'm, I'm thinking about that process that it took from you to go from your full time to determining why I'm going to, this is my work, not my job. I want to exceed my limitations. And how do you actually get out there working with people? Because I mean, it was cool that you were reading these, these, these books on management and leadership and business, but most of us who, work in education, we don't have a business background. We know what we, you know, we know what we do, right? Correct. So, yeah, you, right. right. If someone called me today and said, I need you to do a webinar on uh, how to create a digital classroom in Schoology, I'm like, boom, let, let, let's make this happen. I don't need to prepare for that, so to speak, because that's what I do. But when you're, when you're talking about actually forming a business, creating a business, and understanding how does that work? What was your process like? Yeah, that's that interesting. It, 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 you know, with the, what I've learned, what I know about system, 
it allowed me to create a system for myself. So the first thing I did was to have an outline uh, that detailed the legal part of things. Okay, I said to myself, okay, what do I need to know, uh, you know, to build a company? And how do I uh, file for my registration, all of that? And that was the first question. I already knew the kind of product I could create, the kind of services that I could offer. But still, I was like, okay, I need a way to shape my messaging. So I, need, I needed to like look at that. And then also, I made a list of needs and wants, things that I needed. And I also uh, had in mind clear, the clear target, you know, in terms of this is the kind of product I would, I would like to uh, create the kind of presentation I would like to give. And then this should be my target. I listed my target uh, population, the people I wanted to uh, serve. So one thing I, I like to teach people I work with is to do something that most of us are not taught in traditional school or in, in, in university in general is to, that thing is talking to wise people, getting your own coach. Whatever you need to build, you could go to school to become a great teacher. You can take the classes, but having a coach is a different thing. So I decided to work with some coaches myself. For the financial stuff that I didn't know, I work with someone that told me, hey, this is a, a, from A to Z, this is what you're gonna need to do, follow these steps, boom. That's what it was. Marketing, the same thing. I knew I was not an expert in those areas. I worked with experts in the areas. So I leveraged the knowledge to build my own system. For example, now my legal uh, paperwork and they are in order, but it's, a, it's an existing system, but somebody built it for me. I had to rely on that coach to do that for me. You know, the same thing for the marketing campaign I, I run. It's the system exists, but I couldn't build it myself. I had to rely on a coach that would tell me, this is how you move from zero to one, one to two. The same thing for, you know, my presence in, on social media, all of that. I had to learn it from other people. So I would encourage people, if you want to build a company, if you want to build a business, the first thing to do is to put yourself in a position to learn, step number one. And number two, lean on wise men and women, people who have done it before. You're going to make mistakes. It's even better if you could learn from other people's mistakes. That's what I have done. So I relied on other people. I listened to insight that people shared. Like I told you at the beginning, uh, you brought Michael on the show. And I think some, it was the beginning of this year. I can't remember. I, I, I can't recall exactly which show it was. But she said something important. She said, well, do you have a signature presentation? 
So immediately I started thinking, okay, well, I look at my repertoire and I said, okay, I need to create something like that. I need to have a presentation like that ready. So that's the kind of strategy I use to build the company. I would go to people, take the best advice they have. Of course, I use my critical thinking skill to see what will work in the marketplace for me, what will not work, and then put this in place to create a system. Now, based on what I learned from those coaches and consultants, I have a system in place where that helped me create products. I always, I can tell you that I can create a product with that, that, that at least five or seven people work on. I don't need to worry about, you know, the pieces because everything is in place. For example, when I create content, I know who's working on content creation. We have an editor in place. I know who's going to editing the whole thing. We just need to keep it moving down the chain. And when it gets to me to do the review, I know what the designer is going to do. When the designer pre prepares and present a final product, you know, we get together to look at it. And then I'm like, okay, that works for me. If there's a problem, we go back and then we fix it. And then that's it. That's how the system come, um, to, comes together. Those are the steps I followed. And that's exactly what I help people do. If you want to get to, let's see, four, how do you create a step zero, one, two, three, so that you can get to that. It's all a matter of system. All right, so let's kind of jump into coaching for better learning. And mm -hmm. I'm an organization, I come to you, I tell you that we need a new onboarding process for new employees. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, what are your next steps with that organization? How do you begin to work with them to create those training materials that they need? Well, uh, I would start with um, the end in mind. I would say, okay, where do you, you want a new onboarding process, but where exactly, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want these employees when they come on board, what, do you want them to be able to do after they have gone through this process? And then from there, I can look at what you're trying to achieve. We, come, we walk back step by step and see if you need face-to-face -face training, if you need online training. Also, do you want to allow employees to use time to learn about the company on their own? You can individualize it if you want to, depending on what you're trying to do. So based on that, when we collect this information, we could say, okay, let's go from uh, well, let's go from the end and go back to the beginning and look at the pieces you have. Okay, some companies they would say, oh, this is what I have, this is what I want to use. Okay, I can't create anything new. I cannot. Uh, I don't have the budget to do new things. Can we use what we have or can we improve it? That's one consideration. The other consideration, some company would say, hey, let's, we are interested in e-learning only. That's one aspect. Other companies are more flexible. 
they would say, oh, well, we, we, we can do anything. We are flexible. Just let's shoot for the best. Mm. Let's shoot for the best. So my approach at Coaching for Better Learning is to customize the system that will, uh, it's to customize the system based on the context I am in that will lead the company, that will take the company to that, let's say to, to where the, the HR or whoever wants to go, the supervisors, the managers want to go. Mm. So it's, it, it's, a, it's my way of saying, I don't have a pre-planned package where I go somewhere, somebody says, oh yeah, I want to do this. And then I offer you a product and I say, just follow this. Gotcha, gotcha. So I want to talk to you about sort of the idea of knowing your worth and charging your worth. Mm -hmm. Because again, those of us who generally come from an educational background don't understand sort of pricing. Yes. And we'll get into the idea of, well, uh, I can charge you, you know, something, something per hour or something, something per day, you know, thinking that this is how they should sort of set things up. And then they don't even price it a certain way mm -hmm. based upon their own experience. But, and what got me sort of going, ooh, is when Angela Myers was in my documentary, mm -hmm. The Entrepreneur, which is available people on demand on Vimeo, so we'll get that. But when she started talking about knowing your worth, she said, when you bring me in, you're not paying me for the day. You're not paying me for the hours I come in. You're paying me for the 30 plus years of experience that I bring to the table. And that made me go, oh, okay, I get it now. How do you come to understand your worth in terms of not lowballing yourself when it came to how you priced your products and services? You see, this is interesting. Uh, at the beginning, I would say in 2016, 2017, this, is, this was an issue I struggled with. I was thinking in terms of mass production a lot. I was like, okay, what if we create a strategy with you know, a very affordable price and we pick up a lot of companies and then we know we can go out there and then sell services and sell water. This is always, this is most of the time, if you're not selling fast food, this is the wrong way to go. If you're selling fast food, it's easy. People drop by and you know, it's processed food and just people pick it up. And then it's not like you trying to customize anything. It's not a a la carte. It's like people sit down, you prepare a meal, you know, all of that. But uh, for me, the way I looked at it, and I worked, again, I worked with uh, a, a consultant in the field that talked about, you know, charging different companies different ways and, and different type of work in different ways. And one person I followed closely, you probably know him, is Peter Block. My whole um, consulting philosophy, I 
I kind of adapt the teaching of Peter Block. And when I get into the situation uh, where I need to negotiate pricing and to look at the work, I will charge based on my year of experience and the solution I will bring. And in my mind is like, I am always, always ready to just, hey, walk away. I wanna offer something of value. I wanna solve problem, but at the same time, I wanna get paid for it. You know, there's you know, business, there's charity. So uh, it should be clear when I get into a discussion with a company or a person about my consulting work that we, we, we set the value right. So different companies, I will build them differently and different people, for example, I do consult, I, I coach, I charge differently depending on the kind of uh, issues we are working on. So I would, from the get-go, put my price on the table, we will negotiate. And like Peter Block and, you know, does, I would say, hey, this is what I would be able to do. And I always look for a 50-50, um, a, what you call, we share responsibilities. Mm. Okay, I, I, I have been in situation where people say, hey, go ahead and do this for me. I'm like, no, I can't, I just can't do that. So I need a 50-50 level of commitment where I would put my 50%, you would put your 50%, I will bill you for every everything that I'm gonna do. And then we will discuss the detail from A to Z. You look at it, okay? And you tell me, for example, if you are comfortable with it. If you are not comfortable, I'm totally fine with letting you pick a different company that can, you know, do it for you. And that's one aspect of the pricing. And the second aspect is paying me doesn't mean I'm just going to fix all your problems. That's what it is about system. I will not make this kind of promise because I just can't. And when I negotiate a contract with a company, I would say, this is my 50% responsibility. This is your, and then I will show the other 50%. If you do this, I will do that. And then we're gonna move from A to, to B to C and D. Are you able to do that? Can you, you know, do that and then we can take it from there. And then we would be on pricing, how we're gonna do installment, all of that, and then we move forward. In situation where there's uh, people, would, some people would say, well, I don't, this is high, this is, I don't think I have the budget. I would only suggest that, okay, why don't we stop? Maybe you can call me back whenever you feel that you have the budget for it. And Dr. Will, here's one thing I have learned in my consulting work. Pricing is important for many reasons. One of which is when people pay a premium for services, they add more value to the services. So for some companies, if they call you Dr. Will and then they, you charge them the way you should, 
they will value your work more because they're paying a premium for it. But if you get into bargaining where you're like, okay, I'm going to give you a discount and then they think, oh, that's fine. It's not really too bad if we just um, don't do the work because it's not really something we're paying a premium for. That's something to keep in mind. All right. All right. I like that. So I want to get into social media and digital marketing. Mm -hmm. As you are on, you know, Twitter and the like, what is your strategy for who you follow, mm -hmm. who you may unfollow, mm -hmm. uh, the content you share, mm -hmm. and sort of the narrative that you're trying to shape? Or is, is the strategy to be sort of authentically sort of who you are, or are you intentionally, intentionally doing things based upon sort of this is who we are as a, a corporate culture and we follow these guidelines? Well, I would say, number one, we, we choose um, our hashtags and we follow people that do the kind of work we do. We follow people we want to learn from. Uh, for example, I followed you. Uh, I follow you. I've been following you for a while now on on and on Twitter. And the thing is, you have the show. I have been learning from your show. I have gotten great ideas that I can use for my own personal growth. And that's the kind of people I want to follow. Companies that share great insight. Um, you know, people who have podcasts in the line of work that I do. And also I follow professionals that can, um, I curate them, a professional that can benefit from my services. So LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter, we do have our page, but we link our pages with companies that do the same kind of work. And then we try to break into uh, groups or uh, we, we, we sign up for events that kind of align with what we do. I don't, we don't want to follow everybody. We don't want to attend all events. We don't send out posts or email invite to everybody. We are very intentional on how we spend. For example, if we run a marketing campaign, we are very intentional in creating a specific uh, type of uh, population in the area we want to target. For some reason, there are sometimes conferences in some areas. If we want to target these areas based on the conferences, that's where we're going to go. Okay. So, and then also our presence in on social media is 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 um, is our strategy to add value to people who follow us and uh, people who work with us and people who want to know what we do because what we share is only valuable content. We don't um, share, um, for example, uh, cat videos or uh, you know 
football, you know, we view stuff like that. That's not the kind of thing we do. We focus on um, only content that would bring value to a professional, especially those who want to um, do better in life, those who want to improve their job and their work. Um, yeah, that's the kind of thing we focus on. So before we go, what is your advice or a call to action for those educators who, you know, whether they've uh, listened to my show or not, they have come across the idea of creating that side hustle, mm -hmm. uh, monetizing the talents they already have, but they don't know where to start. Okay. Yeah, my, my first thing is, okay, it's, it's a good, it's, if you are in a situation where you think, well, you need to create something new, you need to create um, the work you want to do, this is valuable. Don't let the idea go. Because, like I said at the beginning, your job is not your work. I don't know how many times I have to, I, how many times I, I teach this to professional. Your job is never your work. So you have your work. For example, I benefit from your work, Dr. Will. And maybe your job, your day-to-day -day job, you know, you work for a school district. Is that correct? Yes. You know, your job, I don't really know what's going there. What's going on there, what you do. Maybe that's something your company benefits from and the teachers and the students you serve. But when it comes to your work, this is something you own. And the world can benefit from it. I am a beneficiary of your generous work. The podcast helped me. I listen to professionals that share the, 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 the insight and, and, and ideas. So creating the work one wants to do is goal. And keep that in mind. Even on the job, if you, want, if you are thinking about doing something on the side, use the job as leverage. In one episode, I remember you think, saying that how people should learn or should take from the job. You know, this is where it starts. Being an exemplary employee, somebody who's learning, somebody who is paying attention to how things work. And then you take that, you can make note for yourself, and then you can take it out there to create your own. So learn. Keep learning. Number two, I would say, if you want to create something new, learn to design system. Mm. System is everything. The car we drive is a systematic design. It's built in a way everything is interconnected. If you're driving, you probably will see that when something is wrong in your car, there's a light that come on. Because in the system, the car is designed like that to tell you, hey, this part is not doing well. I want you to know that. So do something about it. The best way to start something solid, a company that, the business that will last, is to establish a system. From the beginning, you establish what you want to do, the product, the service you want to sell or you want to promote. And then you 
<coughs> pardon me, you go back to look at the pieces you need to put together to get to the product or the services you want to sell. So by learning how to put system together, you're doing yourself a favor. You are, of course, you're going to make mistakes. I would say with a system, you're going to make less mistake. And also when you have a system, it's easier to fail. It's better to fail within a system because you can move the pieces, the parts. For example, let's say if a, in your system you fail with a product and you know the parts that you need to move around is a person. It's easier to do it like that, you know, versus, you know, we start, we start everything, go back to zero and try to rebuild it again. So you, 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 you learn, you keep learning, you learn to design and create system to put your pieces together. And once you do that, I would encourage you to take action. I think the major difference between uh, a, an effective professional and a traditional professional today is this, it's action. Like Peter Drucker says, you see ideas and intelligence will not lead you to result. You might be the smartest guy or girl, you might be very intelligent, you speak gold, but that will not lead you to result until you take concrete action. And in my situation, as I work with professional, most of the time, people are afraid to take action. They are afraid of failure, they think that people will laugh at them. They don't know what people will say about their work, their product. I, don't, I would say, don't even think about it. The first thing you need to do is the moment you have an idea, you have a system in place, is to jump, create something. From there, you can improve it as you go. And every big company we are looking at today from Facebook to Apple to uh, 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 Google, they started out small. They were not the giant we are looking at today. And part of my work when I teach people to create systems is to always think about how you need to keep the chain moving, to take concrete action. Because without action, whatever you have, whatever insight, whatever solution you have in mind, it's worthless. You will not be able to see any tangible result. You're not, you're not gonna be able to make a difference in the marketplace, there's no way. And um, another point I wanna highlight is this. They, it, it's a secret. You, Many people always feel that they don't measure up. Especially educators, you might think, oh, well, I only do education. It's, you know, this is a sector where we, we, we struggle a lot to, to make ends meet. There's always budget crisis, always, you know, policy problem. What I would say, if you have a solution to a problem, bring it to the marketplace. The market needs good solution. Because I'll tell you, there's a lot of companies out there. There's a lot of people doing work. They are bluffing. And I teach 
the folks I work with to pay attention to details, to look at system. By looking at closely in this marketplace where you see all the noise, this is where the opportunity is. You might think that people know what they're doing. You might think that, oh, people speak loudly. They have the best design on social media. They claim they have the solutions, but deep down, they don't. I can tell you that. A lot of companies out there, they are just bluffing. When you get in to the marketplace, you bring a solution that you can contextualize, individualize for a company or for a person, you will get the comment, you will hear that. Because I work with people with master's degree, PhD, and most of the folks I work with will tell me, oh, nobody ever. I talk to them about this issue, this kind of issue. I came to realize that the marketplace is, in the marketplace, a lot of people are bluffing. And if you have a solution, don't sit on it. Don't think that you're not gonna measure up, you're not gonna make it. Come out there, solve people's problem because some people are dying for your solution. And the marketplace is always open for more, for quality services. Mm. that's all right that's all right thank you for coach teddy edwards for coming on today hey thank you dr will you are welcome you're welcome now people you know how i do this this episode will be going up on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, simplecast stitcher and spotify i need you to subscribe leave your comments and share it i like the stars but can I get some comments? Can I get some reviews? Because I'm trying to be found. And I'm also trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, yes. I'd like to thank my guest, Coach Teddy Edwards, for coming on and dropping so many gems. And thank you for hanging out with me for another season of the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you. EDU, peace.